Hey guys, you're what? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to GI Joe Bug Two One Two Resource Snake Eyes Two. <laughs> Hell yeah, we uh, did. We had and a... I'm joined by our usual uh, ninjas in the clan. <laughs> that being Steven and Rob. And today we're talking about ninja ninjastics everywhere. And today we're going to be talking about a few cool things, actually. Uh, namely, Rob and I have finally seen Snake Eyes. So I don't know about Rob, but I am dying to talk about this one. I'm very Absolutely. excited to talk about stuff in this one. Yeah, I'm ready. It'll be You're a ready? fantastic time. Stephen is ready to listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I've had my say at length in episode 208, I believe it was. Uh, I got to see it with old Zazel from Slaughter's Slaughterhouse. But finally, the, the other two-thirds of G.I. Joe Berg have come to the party, big style. How, how did you guys view this, this film? Uh, <laughs> with my eyes. On the small screen. <laughs> Yeah, I take it you didn't add to the box office draw. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, technically I did because I pay for Amazon and it is on Amazon Prime. Um, and I did actually go out of my way to try and rent it and it said, cannot be rented in your country. So I was like, fine. Then. So luckily, a little bird on the internet helped point me in the right direction and I've at least managed to see it. I can definitely say more. I want to watch it in cinema. <laughs> Uh, to support it and yeah but aside from snake eyes we've also got some other cool stuff that's happened um there's barging in the latest play motion special features that has come from uh one of our friends and supporters of the channel actually two of our friends and supporters of the channel that's uh, ronald hoff and mark from lewin and we also have uh, some cool nostalgia chat some childhood memories shared with us uh, through rob uh, steven and um I can't believe I've just forgotten his name. <laughs> Alistair. No, not Alistair, thank you. <laughs> and that was presented by Tim Wilde. Thank you very much, Tim. Yeah, so we've got quite a bumper episode. So, yeah, without further ado, gents, uh, let's get into what's new, new shirt. Mm -hmm. Here it comes, boys. Check yourself, don't wreck yourself. Look at that boy. That mm -hmm. is the 1986. AVAC. Whoa. Hey. That's not He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> now, this figure is um, hilarious to me. May I just say that, okay, if you were to apportion the red to silver parts on him, would you say it's a 50-50 split? Mm, it feels like it from this picture. It feels pretty equal. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty equal. I'd say it might even tend more towards the silver. Silver helmet, silver corset, silver collar, silver shoulders, silver shoulders, silver gauntlet details, silver crotch details, silver thighs, and silver shins. The undersoles of the boots are painted silver. Oh. All wow. of this is Whoa. paint. All of this is that. paint, gents. It's not a plastic molded color. Which is so, good, actually. Is it? Is it yeah, really? Yeah, it won't break. Because like, silver plastic and gold plastic is like the same thing. My yeah. friend, I've got a 1985 Moray that... It, sorry, 1985 Lamprey. Driver of the Moray. 
who's entirely molded in silver and seems no worse for wear. I'm telling you guys, this silver paint is a problem. AVAX are extremely sought after nowadays. In fact, it's in one of our friend's top fives um, who emailed me, Lance, uh, who, who mentioned that like he's really, like to, to complete his, his Terradrome, he's really on the hunt for an original Firebat and AVAX. Oh, no. It's proving to be a bugbear. These things are hen's teeth nowadays. And the one that I picked up this week is actually a touched up one. There's been some silver marker applied to it in places. And it looks like a pretty oh. neat job, but allowed me to get this toy for a song. Anyways, the point I wanted to make was, <laughs> why didn't they go with silver plastic? Because that silver paint is just asking for trouble. And it has. I mean, look, hindsight's twenty twenty. They probably didn't know any better. But I'm saying now, like... It's a no-brainer. Like, make the, the painted parts the red parts, <laughs> please. Um, something else I wanted to note about the AVAC. Does anyone think it looks kind of feminine? And I'm not just talking about the corset, um, giving it kind of <laughs> boobies. Um, it's slightly smaller in stature. It certainly has smaller feet. And, of course, that is to facilitate the fact that the fire, the fire bat is a pretty cramped cockpit. One might say you shouldn't put a, a pilot in there at all. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's a drone, right? What the hell is this guy doing? Just flies around on its own. Well, I mean, it's pretty small inside, so maybe that's what they went for. But I but do you think AVAC is, way. yeah, you don't think AVAC has a kind of a feminine look about mm -hmm. her? All right, fine. Certainly an alien look about her. I mean, the that places the, 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 the eyepiece really low on the head like wh what's going on there any huge the uh, other element that drives up the price on this figure other than the sort of the obvious paint wear that uh, happens to the cobra symbol on the chest but the other thing that drives up the price on this figure is of course the accessory that parachute pack that it comes with is a beautiful rubber piece and one mm. that is frequently missing and look I'm happy. I'm over the moon because the price of the price I paid was basically what people pay for the parachute pack alone. Um, oh wow! I don't have that. Ooh, well, you're about to get real jelly, baby. Because look at the sculpting on that bad boy. There's a knife. There's a, a reserve chute in the front, and the main chute in the back has a cobra symbol. Uh, oh, that's nice. That's so cool. It. It's a really flexible rubber, so it's nice. It fits the body nicely. It, it, it's, I'd say it's actually wasted on AVAC because AVAC's just going to sit in that cockpit and probably not be able to effectively wear that thing and have the cockpit canopy close um, around her if you know very comfortably. Um, so you're better <laughs> off giving it to a Cobra Trooper. And making that Cobra Trooper a Cobra Paratrooper. Oh, and we all know they need them. Buddy, I wish they had made more of these parachute packs. They're actually better than the G.I. Joe equivalent, which would be the one that came with 1984's Ripcord. This is an upgrade. And it's, Is it a strange just, inclusion, though? Because uh, someone in... Pilot. Well, someone, someone in the chat pointed out that they ever can't wear it and sit in the plane at the same time. Don't Bizarre, hey? So it's, it's more of like an accessory that you'll be able to use for other figures over time. And, and someone yet, else from, 
yeah comes with such an exclusive toy like to get an avac to get a fire yeah you get this awesome get like, like you gotta get a but then... and then there's the mailaways but those were also quite premium so you don't actually there aren't that many actually parachute able characters in oh the i do have the back <laughs> sorry oh, also someone asked a very important question um was was the AVAC balancing just now, or did you stick them to the table, or was, was I... it Steven's legendary uh, posing skills? Posing skills. <laughs> hey man, if you listen to um, my buddy Alistair praising me on Tim Wilde's interview, which is cross-posted by the way, you can watch it on Tim Wilde's channel, or you can watch it on GI Joe book. Hey, we cover all our bases, but I'll leave the link in the description below. Um, and they belong I to am, us. <laughs> I am the master of posing, my friends. <laughs> you know, I eat no humble pie but no there is no sticky stuff on the soles of avax shoes you can get the center of balance or the center of gravity on these figures right so that you only need to have one foot planted and the other foot can kind of just be a, a prop on the toes but yeah look this is a lifetime's worth of posing my friends not to mention the play, mo the play motion that I now busy myself with. And yes, Renegades Part 3 is in progress. Happening and it's looking cool. We've had an abundance of, of content just sort of land on our laps, basically. Um, and it's actually caused me to have to put on the brakes on like releases. Um, I have in hand uh, a Snake Eyes review ready to roll. Um, but I've stopped short of doing it because, you know, we want to leave some room for uh, our recent submissions. Um, so it'll be happening perhaps, perhaps midweek, maybe on the weekend. But the bottom line is, like, we're not typically ones for having a lot of stuff in hand. <laughs> G.I. Joe. <laughs> 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 we made a video. Quick, get it out the door. Um, so it's, it's <laughs> nice to have, leave us. <laughs> to have some goodies uh, in store. So um, my AVAC doesn't have a fire bat at the moment uh, because I don't have many toys in Australia. So she rides the Cobra rocket sled from 1988. <laughs> it, it, it's still red, so it counts. It's, it's the same color as the fire bat. It's that kind of, well, the fire bat had various <laughs> color variations, but there is a fire bat variation that is this maroon color. And it kind of makes sense. Like who else is supposed to, ride the damn rocket sled who else has the sort of cannonball dome helmet <laughs> the avac basically hey look the avac came out the same year as the battle android trooper maybe it's a robot i've got two things that i want to add to this quickly and i have to share uh, share my screen so this is a picture <laughs> of my avac <laughs> He's fired, man. He's so Paul has taken this a picture. picture. This is for our listeners. Uh, Paul is taking a picture of his AVAC basically passed out on a Terradrome console. <laughs> it's perfect. Also, the <laughs> fact that the, 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 the silverware on your AVAC's helmet looks like she's, or he, however you want to play this figure, um, has been like driving that helmet through her enemies. Yeah. <laughs> Ram man up in here. So I'm going to mention something here. Um, the reason I forgot I had to play the, the parachute is because my AVAC is in its fire bat and pretty much lives in the fire bat. And I haven't taken the fire bat out in a while uh, because it's inside the pterodrome. And as far as I know, my AVAC is wearing its parachute in its fire bat in my pterodrome. 
which I'd like to also say um, thank you, a massive thank you to Greg Crockett uh, for this, because that's how I have one. Um, and hearing that they're quite difficult to get now makes me feel even more grateful for the one that I already have. So, yeah. Anyway, I just sort of I just wanted to share that. Sorry, Steve. Are there any other new cool things in your life? Done, Very son. Much. Done. Cool. Well, then while I'm here, I might as well share something that I got this uh, past week. Um, so I'm sure many of you. Uh, well. Hold on, I just want to share this. Not any thing. furniture, evidently. Oh, oh, oh. all so, got a cardiac arrest. <laughs> <laughs> no laughing. I mentioned last episode I'm eating like a child, and I just want to share this with the viewers. This is two mini pizzas stacked up as technically burger buns over a, a chicken patty. Now, I'm not a big vegetables guy, but one could, I suppose, add vegetables to this to make it even more interesting. And I shared this with Rob and Stephen on our private group, and I thought, hey, i got to share it with you guys because, um, you know, stay tuned for more culinary tips. <laughs> uh, but anyway. I was when cool you, thing... you run out of fresh bread, like yeah. <laughs> two mini pizzas. Just use the little mini pizzas. As your buns. Oh, my goodness. Buns? So thanks to... ah, and Paul got a hot rod. Yeah, so thanks to Chris Mewer of Chasing 80s Toys, uh, revealing on Instagram that he had gotten, or was it Facebook or Instagram, that he had gotten a hot rod and cup figure. That was the final nail in the coffin for me. Uh, I had seen this toy at my one of my local toy stores. I wanted to get it. I decided not to get it because I was, you know, trying to be smart or something stupid. And I, it, it was mulling over in my head, mulling and mulling and going and churning and whatever. And eventually I saw Chris's post. And I was like, damn, I need that hot rod in my life. And so last, uh, as of recording last week, I picked up this bad boy, uh, as many of you guys know, and here he is. And I did shoot an unboxing video, and it was really great because you couldn't see half the figure being unboxed. So I was a bit too embarrassed to release that. Uh, but I feel like this toy needs a review because it is a fantastic figure. Oh, my God, this toy is amazing. I didn't think I would love a hot rod figure as much as I do. And... In short, I will say that having had experience with um, Steven's Masterpiece uh, Hot Rod, uh, i got to say this is like a shrunken down version of it. Even the transformation is, is similar to it. So, wow. Mm. This is a toy that's... terrified of transforming it. I tell you, Masterpieces, man, they really do your head in. It's, it's, it's nerve-wracking It's stuff. a thing. It's yeah. a thing. Yeah. 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 And, um, and then the Can next you thing... Can sing uh, a little bit of Stan Bush for us, Paul? uh what the no it's not that you got to touch the stand bu uh bushes uh not gonna uh, no not gonna go there <laughs> um, <laughs> i had it in my at, head at least you can it's it's 2 p.m in south africa like i can't really go full belt uh because i'd wake the baby Ooh. what's crazy is is that when i was doing the unboxing for some reason that song kept getting stuck in my head so oh, like no, I... It is it's weird. a hell of a soundtrack. Jeepers. It is a hell of a soundtrack. Fantastic. And it seems like yeah. in G.I. Joe the movie, we just got stuck with the same... I mean, granted, they're wonderful sound cues and they were used very effectively in the movie, but it was still the same old orchestral you know, music that was used in the animated series. Hmm. Hmm. Matthew Comstock uh, in the comments says, it's very 80s, but also very awesome, to which I would like to add... That is why it's awesome, because it's very 80s. <laughs> yeah. mm. The soundtrack, yeah, definitely. And then the yeah, last man. thing I want to show like you. Like singing I don't now. Have... Mm -hmm. 
can't. Uh, frustrated. The last thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna stop sharing my screen because the last figure I got um, got a whole video release, which was and it was a, a month or two sooner than expected. Was my Baroness from the Snake Eyes GI Joe Origins movie and. Guys, speaking of content, you did an unboxing of her recently, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, so that That's was up there. <laughs> um, He's on fire. This, this is a toy that just keeps on giving. I I can't explain it better than that. It's just such a fantastic figure. I mean, I know that the um, the original classified Baroness is, uh, according to some people, the better toy. And if that's the case, then I cannot wait to get my hands on that now because that is saying a lot. This Baroness is incredible, the movie one. And it has one glaring flaw, in my opinion, um, before I you know gush so that you guys know that I'm not being like ridiculous. She comes with two um, blades. They're like... They, I don't know, they're not really knives, they're not really swords, they're kind of like machetes, but they're not really... They're not really in the movie either, so why? They're not in the movie, yeah, hmm? and it's a silly thing, and the problem is they slot into her back, and she's got these two holsters in the back that they slot into, and they are completely ridiculous, because once you slot them there, you basically take out this um, character's uh, whole ability to sit down anywhere. Um, oh, they, and, are, they are sabotaging our appreciation of the Baroness's ass. That's exactly <laughs> what they're doing. Both they're classified with their stupid gold pistols. Ugh. And now again, with these stabby, stabby things that are actually like, like if she was to walk aggressively, she'd be slicing her sweet cheeks. Thank you. Yeah, that's They might be in the well. movie, or maybe they aren't in the movie. We, we won't spoil <laughs> that for people who haven't seen the movie yet. Look, there are a lot of swords and knives in the movie. I mean, it could have happened between scenes that she, I don't know, sheathed yeah. them on her lovely lady lumps. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anyway. So, that's the only, like, thing that sucks about this. But those two... Um, Holsters are great if you want to put in um, little guns. The other thing I will say about this for those of you out there who may feel like you want to remove the holsters, they are not part of the mold. They were actually glued on. So you could actually eff uh, effectively cut them off if you really don't like them, if you feel that they really hurt the silhouette. I do feel that they kind of do, but I'm going to get into that with the review because this figure deserves it. Um, but let's get onto some of her cool features quickly. Removable glasses. Wow. Okay, I know that I should have known that and seen that That's coming. That's movie yeah. accurate. Yay! <laughs> um, but yeah, removable glasses are awesome. And the fact that you can that the gun is a semi-realistic uh, looking MP series kind of submachine gun. Guys, anyway. we're going to give over our what are you watching, what are you reading, what are you playing section because this weekend, all three of us have been watching something very special <laughs> it's a play motion that uh, was not done by any of our hands uh, but in fact by a pair of dutchmen one of them in fact is in attendance and i'm going to bring him in right now long-time <laughs> listeners of gi joe book will know this man's voice he is snowcat ron yeah hi guys <laughs> good hey, afternoon how's it going glad buddy? to join well i'm thrilled to have you this is a, a an unexpected treat uh, but a very fitting one because we've all enjoyed your work this weekend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I, I don't know where what you did uh, ends and where Paul's sort of 
I don't know, behind the scenes work um, takes over, but uh, certainly everything was shot by you and Mark and it looked like a great time. Yeah, we had a lot of fun putting it together. So yeah, Mark, Mark is a writer. I'm not sure if you know that, but um, so he did the basic script outline and uh, based on that, we uh, went outside and uh, you know shot some footage. And uh, of course, well, you know just as well as I do, the creative process then takes place behind the screen to make it all fit. Um, you know, it's a timeline you, you're following. So dialogue needs to fit in uh, the time you have in footage. So scripts change because of that. And yeah, it's, 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 it was so fun because actually we spent two weekends together to, uh, to put it all together. And after that, Perfect. I did some, um, you know, editing um, work and I, well, I asked Paul to, um, to provide music for that and it all came together quite well. I'd say, how far away do you guys live from one another? Was it a, a question of a sort of an hour train ride or 30 Yeah, it's about, car? I think two hours by car. Two hours, wow. So this was quite an undertaking. And you say you did that um, twice? Yes. Okay. And you found the same location for both uh, both shoot days? Oh, no, we uh, we shot an entire, so we took an entire weekend to make the shots. And the second weekend was really for, um, you know, doing the dialogue and, yes. uh, and editing. Lovely. Well, that's a, a lovely treat to have, you know, to have a little bit of collaboration uh, for the, the post-production stuff. I know that, you know, when I've enlisted Rob's help, for instance, uh, shooting is one thing, but then, you know, it's a lot of grind on your own in front of the laptop when you really kind of wish you had company. But how do you how do you use someone to kind of did, did you edit head to head or was he kind of sitting on your shoulder like saying, oh, no, <laughs> you should drag that sequence there and we should put this line in here. Yeah, basically, I was at the controls uh, with that and he was uh, sitting next to me and, you know, we were it was really helpful to to talk through it together because it just like you say it's it's difficult to do it on your own you really need someone with um yeah with another perspective to make it all come together well it's just and what was fun really to have a, a buddy along right yeah and especially you know recording the dialogue we had such a, <laughs> just a good time just it's like you know acting <laughs> uh getting it's into the role <laughs> I loved your read on the characters uh, and Mark as well. He's got such a kind of a, uh, a whimsical way of playing these guys. Like Destro, for instance. I, I pr mm. particularly like your, your Destro and Baroness interplay. That's some pretty cool stuff. Um, hey, was it a, a lifelong a ambition Destro. to play the Baroness, Ron? Well, for me it was because, you Excellent. know, it's one of my favorite characters, uh, to be honest. And, you know, the voice is always in my head in that sense. So, um, yeah, it was, well, it was great to, see, to do. I'd love to see more of her. I'd love to see the sort of subplots then spin out of this. Um, but to speak about the plotting of this one in particular, you were inspired to do a story that highlights the battle barge. I mean, yes. there's a lot happening. But it seems like the battle barge is very much at the center of this. And they're three, you know, Cobra, I suppose, slackers, um, just lovable rogues that are kind of manning this 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 punishment, basically. Um, so that was the core inspiration, right? 
Yeah, exactly. So we wanted to take like a really silly uh, uh, vehicle and the battle barge qualifies, of course. It, th that was actually something um, that just popped out of nowhere because Mark was visiting me um, at some point and I showed him the battle barge and we were talking about making a video and I said, well, you know, maybe we could make some silly vehicle the, the center of attention to, uh, yeah, to put some humor into it. and. And but actually, you know, the battle barge by itself, as you can see, it's very stable in the water. You know, <laughs> you can put huge amounts of water on it, and it still floats. So <laughs> that's impressive. I've never that, seen you know. a better uh, battle barge commercial in all my days. But then again, <laughs> yeah. I guess it doesn't have much competition. Um, so we. Wanted... I was actually going to ask. Sorry, yeah. quickly before you go on. Like I saw the battle barge. I mean, I've been watching the footage quite a lot, <laughs> and that battle barge floats with no issues and i actually wanted to ask did you do any did you put a flotation device or something underneath it or did you no like... it's all natural wow that's actually very impressive the, the only thing we did is that for some scenes that we uh, when we didn't want it to float away then we did uh place it where some branches were were placed but that's about it so it's very stable wow it's, on it's my very first impressive. Viewing, I, on my first viewing, I, I just thought this is a cool, like, swampy area. But on the second viewing, I realized, no, that actually, this is a field that is just in a kind of a, a bit of a, a low-lying um, region that has obviously been freshly rained on and flooded out, which makes for a perfectly scale-accurate bog for these guys. Did, were you just driving down the road and saw this, I don't know, this, this kind of impromptu lake? and thought, ah, that's that's our location? Or did you have it scouted before the time? Well, we, we did the location scouting ourselves um, at the day. You know, we oh, he yes. had, Mark had some ideas in his head where we could go to, and we he wasn't even sure if that location would be, um, uh, would be useful at the time. It also depends how much rain, you know, has fallen over time, but it, it, it worked out pretty well. So, in, you know, in that sense, it feels like making an actual movie. You know, you do all these steps that, you know, people who make movies also do. Location scouting, the scripting, everything. It's it's fun. I hear yeah. you, man. Yep, yep, yep. Just no, imagine I, I... us, you know, walking bare feet, you know, through the water, <laughs> you know, playing with those boats. And, <laughs> and Mark with his cool jacket. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I want to. I, I gotta. I want to put in a, a thing here. And I'm sorry, Mark isn't here for this one. But there is a moment where Mark is walking with the condor, and this is actually something. I, I'm now. I'm putting a spotlight on it. So if anybody's missed this, this is good. This is the magic of plane motion. But if you've seen it, I and I have. Um, Mark's walking with the condor. He's got his jacket on and everything. And I looked at it and I couldn't help but thinking, that's very Paul. <laughs> it is very reminiscent of of that uh, condor play motion uh, Steve and I did like a while back, and it just with, I just saw that with one like... with one exception, Paul. Like when I had you kind of framed up on camera, you didn't realize that your face was visible, so you were looking very serious. Uh, you know, yes. go back and watch our, our condor review. But Mark <laughs> looked like he was having the time of his life. And there was just a wonderful moment. He had such a big smile. Um, yeah, that, that's so... well noted, uh, Stephen, because that's actually something 
um, he mentioned himself as well. Uh, when we watched all the footage, he said, oh, just, you know, he, he ex actually saw in the footage what he was feeling. So he was actually having the time of his life. So <laughs> oh, that is very heartwarming. I mean, yeah. as lovely yeah. as this video is, I think it's just elevated yeah. that much more by the fact that behind the scenes, yeah, exactly. you guys were actually playing and enjoying yourselves. Oh, man, that's so cool. Lovely, so lovely, yeah, lovely. in short, I mean, I would like to dive into it more at a later time when Mark can can join, um, but he's unavailable right now. Sounds like a date, Ron. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Uh, Rob, anything you'd like to add? I think it was awesome. Uh, but yeah, it's just true. It's, it's kind of cool to kind of see other people playing with their toys as well. It kind of reminds me of like the, the cool times that we had making the play motions. So. 2032, hopefully we can do that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boo. All right, Ron, right, we'll, we'll let you get we'll on with your morning. Sunday, buddy. But uh, thanks for joining us and check you next time. Okay. And I know that Stephen, uh, oh, cheers, Ron. Um, sorry, man, I like totally jumped in there sooner than expected. Um, I know that you did forgo the what are you watching section. But Robbie, are you watching anything cool at the moment or, or checking out anything cool? Oh, um, I think I, I randomly clicked on house uh, often when I'm well, not often every night when I'm having dinner, I'm trying to find something to to watch. I randomly watched the first episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> oh wait, did I say this before? I feel like I did. Now that no, I'm saying it out loud, this, this is new information. Oh really? Okay, okay yeah. Um, so that was it. Was weird. It's just. <laughs> Bulk and skull. So 90s. Why do yes, those like names starts... stick in my memory? <laughs> it starts with like they're all at like a gym or something, and the, the one the Red Rangers like teaching the other ones how to like do karate, and then they're bothering everyone, and then they get you know obviously like uh, the putties naturally. Yeah, the putties eventually show up and stuff, and it's it's just it's it's interesting. It's so weird um, to kind of watch it again after like I haven't thought about Power Rangers since. Yeah, since originally watching them, it's just, it's just weird because I'm um, I'm so used to now my my colleague at work watching Super Sentai, which is what Power Rangers is oh, based cool. on. Oh, cool! It's well, very cool. Power Rangers is Super Sentai. Yeah. It is. It's a version of it. I mean, it's an adaptation. It's it's the same like Robotech is Macross. Macross, technically. And I mean, it is re-edited to be its is, own thing. Yeah, well, technically, Robotech is Macross, Southern Cross, and Genesis Climber Moss Piedra put together as one coherent story. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to G.I. Joeberg, where we sometimes talk about G.I. Joe. <laughs> well, someone asked me what I'd watched, and that, that, that was the first thing that popped into my mind, something different that I watched this week. Um, oh, cool, man. There's lots of things coming up on Netflix that I'm looking forward to seeing for the first time in years. Um, Austin Powers, both of those movies are going to be on there, so... Uh, I'm curious to see if it's still as funny as I as I thought it was when I saw them at the cinema back in the day. Smells like almonds. Um, Mr. Robert Kalupitan is going to be very happy to hear that you've been watching Super Sentai because, as uh, as you may or may not know, he's a massive fan of uh, a lot of the Masked Rangers or the Masked Riders oh, I say, yeah. stuff. Yeah, and he's been uh, he's recently been flexing with some of his autographs that he's got uh, of some of those famous actors. Who have played um, masked riders and masked? Uh, Damn, I should heroes. um I should share this with my colleague. I mean, she's she's. I mean, I enjoy watching it occasionally and kind of getting into it now. 
Um, oh, I love the shit out of it. But <laughs> she, she absolutely, she, she dies for this stuff. I mean, Power Rangers, I mean, not Power Rangers, Super Sentai, uh, Geku Ranger, I think is the other one. Uh, there's just so much, there's so much like different stuff coming on in Japan. It's crazy. Uh, from that line, I like a character called uh, Black RX. Um, and he was even featured in in the first series of our Power Rangers uh, of the should we call it the English Power Rangers, which is like Dino Ranger, Rio King or whatever it's called. Um, Mars Rider actually makes an appearance in, in the, the third season, and it's so cool to see all oh, Mars Ranger Black RX makes an appearance in there because he's from another planet. It's the whole thing. Anyway, cool man. I'm glad to hear that you're watching some Super Sentai. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm keeping it keeping it watching different things i'm keeping current with what if and i think i've just had a forthcoming episode spoiled by lego and this no. is the first time oh. lego's done this lego lego are, they are so hot on their release schedule of sets that i was walking through the supermarket and saw a lego set from marvel's what if tv series and i was like hmm okay so so and so gets to do that in that with that character. Thanks a lot. Okay, now I know which episode is coming up. Like, anyways, Lame. so and I mean Lego, like, bless them because they, as I said, they are really hot on their release schedule. Um, Hasbro could learn a thing or two, to be honest. Um, but they they've done this before. They they spoiled Giant Man's uh, birth, I suppose. Giant well, Ant Man becoming Giant Man <laughs> in Civil War. Um, by yeah. having that set, that sort of yeah. airport battle set where the big centerpiece of it was not the minifigs, but the maxi fig, the uh, giant man. Anywho, mm. um, gents, we cannot hold this, 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 this tsunami back anymore. <laughs> Everyone on the internet is probably sick and tired of hearing about Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins, but... There's an equal number of people gagging to hear the opinions of Rob and Paul from G.I. Joburg. So let them have it, gents. <laughs> Snake Eyes time. Snake Eyes time. So you, so both, Paul, you both saw it this weekend, right? Yes. Yeah. Indeed. And yes, spoilers, by the remarks. way, for people who have yes. not watched it. My, my opening remark is there will be spoilers. So, Ooh. um, Ooh. so. Uh, tune out for a little so, bit and while you tuned well, out like this video on YouTube subscribe to our channel down, and in the description I will have a time code for where to jump back in that will save me having to edit in an awkward like hey this is Steve from the future jump to time code 51 minutes and 27 <laughs> seconds whatever so yeah <laughs> scroll, scroll down the time code will be there so you have been warned hit that pause if you don't want to be spoiled on this movie that everyone seems to um, think is Either okay or what oh, garbage. You yeah. ruined my childhood, Hasbro and Paramount. <laughs> so the, the real question now is who's going to start? Rob, do you want to put in your... Um, <laughs> should, should we talk about things that we didn't like first? Well, in, 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 that we liked? initial impressions, I guess. I mean, what did Let's you think overall? Did, did you like the movie? Did you not like the movie? I think I, I'm still deciding, but I, I think I didn't like it. <laughs> Okay, okay. Well, th this may mean something to you and Steve when I say this. Uh, I watched it from beginning to end, sitting on a couch with no sketchbook in hand, no distractions, nothing. 
I mean, I did. I mean, I always bring a sketchbook or something to when I'm watching something in the lounge or whatever. And I did bring a sketchbook, but I never picked it up the whole way through. So that's the the best way to say it. Because I I enjoyed it. it. It had my attention. Let's put it that way. I didn't get like annoyed or bored or anything with it. I was just yeah. So I enjoyed it. Well, that's good. Yeah. That was my initial you liked it. Well, that's yeah. fantastic. I mean, I, I should probably watch it again, but I, I just felt like two minutes in, I was like, mm, I just don't think I'm going to enjoy this. Why? <laughs> what was the thing that took you off? I'm curious. I don't know. I think it was just like, oh, it's 20 years ago. What could possibly happen 20 years ago that's going to impact the story now? Um, obviously, it, it has a huge impact on the, on, the, on the rest of the story and this their version of Snake Eyes that they have in, have in the movie. Um, I don't know. I think it was just the, I suppose the direction of of, of that initial scene where I was like, mm, maybe maybe this isn't going to be for me necessarily. But I mean, as we go through the movie, I think there were a lot of fantastic like action scenes. Um, the, definitely, the fighting was top notch. I think the whole way through. Um, there was a little bit of like plotting and stuff near the end where I was like, okay, I don't understand why you guys are doing this or why this is happening. And some of the plot contrivances were a bit too contrived, maybe. Um, so overall, I think I didn't really like it, but I, I appreciate that they, they made a really great effort. And, and the, I mean, the scenery, in, especially in Japan, is gorgeous. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> no, you well, don't have to apologize for, for me not enjoying the movie as much as you did. I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it immensely, actually. And I'm not going to say it's like uh, the best film ever, but um, I've got a few cool things to say about it in terms of, like, I think it's the best G.I. Joe live-action movie we've gotten so far. Um, oh, shots fired. Hot takes up in G.I. Joe Berg. Um, and... <laughs> I, mean, I would probably agree, agree with that, actually. Not that the bar is very high. Let's put it that way, you know? To be fair, like, the bar wasn't set that high. But I would say, like, it, it feels like it has a lower production value than the other two movies, but it almost seems oh, to benefit definitely. from that. Um, yes. Because it's more yes. intimate. It's, it's a more intimate um, sort of film in a lot of ways. I like uh, Robert mentioned some of the action, some of the fighting. I thought that was mostly on point. In fact, um, as you know, as a martial artist, like I appreciated a lot of that stuff in the way that was pulled off. Um, some of it I could see the choreography, uh, meaning that I could see like Storm Shadow doing things with his swords, which was like you know uh, just part of his rehearsal and whatever. Which, but I mean, that's not the end of the world. I mean, it's a film. Um, what do you mean by that? Was he was he looking quite like 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 he wasn't bringing the intensity that he looked? No, I think he rehearsal? was. I think he was being very careful. Like in yes. some ways, like okay. I think um, I, I think the stuntmen were also being very careful not to hurt them because you know there's a lot of swords that goes on in that one scene. There's a few scenes, but there's a lot of swords happening, um, and it's it's kind of in the beginning when he's moving around and he's dancing with the, the weapons and whatever's, um, and he sort of moves and it's uh, you you can see, like you kind of mentioned an intensity. There's there's a thing when you, in martial arts for those who are unfamiliar, you do forms. Um, in karate, they call them kata. But anyway, you do a form, um, and that is basically how you practice your movements for your weapons. And I can get into the whole thing of that. 
obviously when you do choreography um, and you know if you've done any kind of choreography you sort of go through it go through it go through it until it's perfect in your head and I just feel like the choreography there wasn't quite like he didn't push himself too hard in, in certain areas because I think he was worried about maybe the sword hitting somebody or something like that so it's very much doing the movements and it's and all the action around him is choreographed to that but it doesn't seem like he's actually in danger sometimes and I think that's like the only like critique I really have for the choreography or for the fighting um otherwise geez what else was there that was actually pretty rad so I was watching this with um Celia and it was quite funny because like she sees this one scene uh and this is uh Tommy Arashikage Arashikage uh, yeah his his first fight scene uh, still beardy at the uh, the fisheries well yeah where so he's see, just been this... uncovered by the yakuza as a yakuza, traitor yeah so this scene was cool because the whole playing out the whole way that the scene sort of played out in between here and, and it's this shot and this shot uh celia was like oh my god that guy looks like you <laughs> yes with the the dark hair the beard and this kind of almost i don't know very posed uh, bit of sword play yeah using those those two swords you know front and back in this kind of low crouch yeah and that's a, a very samurai pose by the way really? uh, when i say very samurai pose there is actually a sword form with two swords and there aren't that many actually well when i say there aren't that many but dual sword usage wasn't popular rise until much later in the sort of samurai era um well and i don't want to go into all of this storm shadows thing right back in v1 he had two blades and absolutely celia is right uh paul <laughs> there are worse like action stars to look like than andrew koji Let's totally and andrew koji's cool man so uh, well look it's 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 a very commonly held um opinion and and i thank ryan sweeney for mentioning it in the chats that this served more as a storm shadow story yes uh, but maybe this is going to feed into the, the bad. Um, uh, but I think we can all agree that that his portrayal was was good, mm. you know, on a whole. Yeah, Rob, what did you think of of Storm Shadow's portrayal? Yeah, I think I think on the whole, he he did a really good job as Storm Shadow. And there was a very cool. I mean, it, it usually feels cheesy when they kind of like. Um, uh, try and explain like the the origin of, of of something but there was a really cool line where where like um the chick ninja she's like oh you've got that look in your face again the shadow before the storm i don't know i really like that actually i was you like did? oh that's so cool it's so much cooler than like so what's just... your surname i don't have a surname okay then we're gonna call you solo han solo yes we finally is... know did the script writers the did the script writers peg to the fact that Arashikage, at least as far as we've always been led to believe, means or translates as Storm Shadow? I don't know if Larry was mistranslating the Japanese at that point. No, Maybe Arashikage is correct. Anything. That, yeah. no, Arashi well, I like that. Cool. I like that moment. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but like his reason. At the end, for kind of like betraying no, on, or whatever, it's, the... it's not kind of cool. It's completely bogus. It's under. No, I thought it was it really fun. The fact that like the script didn't know that no Tommy's code name Storm Shadow just comes from his surname. Simple. 
Well, I like that moment. I thought it was cool. <laughs> you can uh, I'll say this much about Tommy as well. In the in the film where he um, leaves the Arashikage and he kind of takes off his signet ring and puts it down and it's got the Arashikage symbol on it, I turned to Zazel at that point and I said, well, it's a lot easier than removing a tattoo. <laughs> Actually, I didn't have to whisper it because there was no one else in the in the theater. So I said, <laughs> so it's a lot easier than removing it. a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seemed like uh, the, the ritualistic uh, Arashikage branding didn't have to happen in this retelling. I'm but also good to be like having having tattoos on your secret ninja clan, perhaps not the best idea that Larry had. I mean, it served as a great visual tie-in in issue 21. But if you mm -hmm. think about it too much, it's like well, we know uh, which of these guys that are sort of ninjas and infiltrators are Arashikage. We just have to mm -hmm. lift up their sleeve and hey, hey, drop that, that guy's guy. head off right now. Yeah, and then he's, he's he's done. He's from that clan. We all know what he's about. Um, Kill him. I thought his performance was really good overall the whole movie, except at the end where I just didn't understand why he turns his back on the family. Like to me, it makes no sense and why he should join Cobra. But I don't know. I've been giving so, this way too much credit because I thought that just like Snake Eyes uses pretty much 70% of this film as an infiltrator and has, has the, the wall pulled over everyone's eyes, including the audience for a long time. Um, so, so too is Storm Shadow now a secret plant within Cobra. But as I say, I'm I probably giving this movie way too much credit. That, yeah, that so would actually make more sense to me. Because his kind of like sudden like turning at the end just I don't know it, it, to me it makes no sense because it was orchestrated I... just like Snake Eyes being the 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 executioner for Tommy in the beginning of the film it was all that was orchestrated by Kenta and Storm Shadow turning to Cobra was orchestrated by Granny <sighs> yeah like I say I mean I, I don't know I, I feel like I'm kind of having to defend this movie by 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 actually inventing shit. <laughs> so yeah, that's a, okay. So let me let me track back a little bit. Firstly, you guys mentioned the Arashikage symbol, uh, which I was very pleased to see was used very minimally, if ever, in the film. That was actually yeah, really because great. Snake Eyes only got his uniform like in the last five minutes, right? But like, it was still cool that it wasn't all over the place. I liked that. I liked that they try to keep some sort of. They try to make it that it was kind of secret, and at least on Tommy's ring, you know, it's there on the ring. The hexagram is on the ring, which is pretty like whatever, you know, if it's something like that on a ring. It's not too obvious, which is cool. I liked that. I liked a lot of the mysticism that they added to it, because it's cool when a ninja film has got a little bit of that sort of mystical edge to it. And sadly, we're not in an era where... I feel that that could have been done more subtly. Um, so they had to sort of go with it the way they did, you know, giant snakes at all, uh, which really doesn't bug me because I've enjoyed that kind of imagery in video games and stuff recently as well. And I like that mythological sort of approach to it. Uh, that was great. Um, Stephen, you mentioned like snake eyes pulling the wool over everybody's eyes. I thought that was also very cleverly done. Um, I feel like the film, like there was a little bit of cleverness in this film where if you were a G.I. Joe fan already, uh, they subverted your expectations, which, you know, which was clever. And if you don't know anything about G.I. Joe, they still managed to do that. So kudos to them for that, because throughout the whole film, you're thinking, oh, Snake Eyes is actually 
really a good guy because you know he's really a good guy and then he does some pretty dick stuff in fact i kind of like a lot of the origin story that they put across in this film the fact that snake eyes himself is actually like a problem initially you know mm. and then only learns the hard way from being an actual dick and seeing the so you, know, you liked it rob yeah. what was your read on snake eyes not being uh Captain America with a burnt face, but actually a <laughs> bit of an anti-hero, a bit of a, well, a bit I of think a it, villain. It, it, didn't, it didn't bother me. I mean, I think it is obviously that they're, they're taking their own, they have their own take on this character and they're kind of like fueling him with rage and his entire life he hates this single person. And then when the time actually comes to kill the guy, he kind of realizes actually it's, he's not even the person I should be angry at. It's the people behind him that kind of, you know, have, have ruined my, my entire life. But my one contention with Snake Eyes, though, is that, like, early in the movie, he states, I don't kill people. I never kill. And then so once, a, you put a sword, a once you put a sword in his hand, oh, he's not a murderer. <laughs> but, like, once you put a sword in his hand, he's like, damn, okay, I, I, I freaking love cutting up people. This is the best. Give me another. <laughs> I'm a regular Cuisinart. No, so you asked earlier, yeah, snake kebab. You mentioned earlier that you didn't understand uh, Tommy's redemption or Tommy's uh, pivots, uh, like why he yeah, turns to Cobra. Um, without like trying to be like, I'm taking what the film gives you, and this is what I understood from it as well. Uh, snake Eyes starts off being like a delinquent, so to speak. Um, turns over to the side of the Arashikage. He understands his purpose and, you know, as you guys mentioned, he has this vengeance thing and he opts not to kill that guy and go for the people that's behind him. Cool, okay. Tommy also has a vengeance issue with his cousin. And he uses that stone um, against his cousin, which he wasn't supposed to do. So he's full, firstly, to me, he's filled with guilt, like he's done that. He's also got the expectation his whole life, he even mentions he's been groomed to be the next successor. So the fact that that's now been taken away from him, he's angry and he seeks a place to, uh, and he seeks belonging. And he doesn't actually leave the Arashikage to join Cobra. He leaves the Arashikage. And he, you know, I don't think he actually knew what the hell he was trying to do when he left. But when the Baroness confronts him and goes, oh, you know, there's a place for you in Cobra. You know, your mm. army is gone, blah, blah, blah. So Yeah, that's you've just lost an army. Well, would you like a better one? Like, that's that's our offer. Ooh. Yeah, so that that's how that made sense to me. And also that Tommy himself is very upset and, and disappointed, you know, with, I would say, himself and with um, his aunt, you know. <laughs> well, granny. With his grandmother. Yeah, Granny. It's his granny. It's his grandmother. It's definitely his grandmother. Here's, here's something that, that occurred to me uh, in other discussions. Um, so we have a notable absence in There Was No Soft Master. Um, but, Paul, you tipped me to the fact that, like, the fans is a, is a, not a soft form in martial yes. arts. So maybe yeah. there was maybe some intention master. to make Granny the kind of the stand-in for the soft master. And she kind of had a whimsical side to her. I think but, she is a soft master, and that's well said because she's the leader as well. And wasn't the soft master the leader of the Rashikage clan? 
I think Hardmaster was the the eldest brother. Oh, okay. yeah, Softmaster was under him. How did you guys enjoy the riddle in the beginning of uh, Snake Eyes' sort of um, exam of his, let's call it his grading, his ascension into being an Arashikage? And I'm I'm referring to his fight with the Hardmaster that we, that had the balls. How did you guys feel about that? I thought that was a cool moment. Um, and it's kind of cool. He kind of reflected back on what had had been said to him in you know in, in the moments before the fight itself happened um and i thought it was cool that the, the, it kind of used the information that was just given to you um to kind of figure out what what he had to do next mm. which is interesting because then because also storm shadow is the one that tells snake eyes about the you know the jewel and how it you know it can destroy things and how they must never use it but then later in the movie he completely forgets that he's yeah. not supposed to use it and i suppose that is kind of like that kind of shows his the turning of his character away from from um the core tenets of uh, yeah his rage yes. in needing to defeat his his cousin actually kind of like took over his own thinking in, in a exactly. way it build over three <laughs> scenes at that point like the first battle at the docks he is defeated quite handily like kenta doesn't even unsheath his sword like how un insulting is that it's like i'm mm, trying right. to kill you with both of my blades and you don't even take your blade out and then the yeah. second one on the rooftop in the rain in tokyo he starts pounding the damn roof i'm thinking like shit, dude good thing the actor is pounding like a, a compression pad because driving your fist repeatedly into a roof is is going to give you some That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the the final time he gets the opportunity to like end this, and like let's face facts, like Kenta at that point has probably slaughtered Arashikage members by the dozen, like oh, dozens people in that building when he incinerated. Anyway, so yes, cooler heads did not prevail. I buy Tommy's descent. I do. The yeah. reaction was perhaps a little bit um, out of tune. That like Granny's going to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say like the Arashikage clan dies with me because you ain't inheriting it and I'm not passing it on to anyone else. It's like what, what? You're going to let yeah, all but... of it die on the vine? That's why, as I say, I give this movie way too much credit because I think to myself, if they were going to do a sequel, it would be revealed that this was all part of some master plan. Yeah, it could be. It could be a way that uh, it could be something she's doing to temper her, her, you know, her apprentice to temper Storm Shadow. Because in the beginning, like, I love that moment where with the bowl and the whole thing there, because that's a very martial arts thing. And that there was some definite research there or the stunt guys, some somebody on set who was a martial artist has had an experience similar to that, that was used in that Arashi Kage an, initial initiation, initial part of the initiation, because that's what martial arts is about. It's about sharing knowledge. You know, it's not about being forceful about it, you know? And I love that whole, you know, can I have your bowl? Can I give you my bowl and, you know, in exchange for yours? I love that. That is, because that is, that is the core fundamental of any martial arts. I bring my best um, and I ask you to, you know, please share your knowledge with me. And I will respect that by doing my best and, and taking your knowledge in and, and really, trying to understand and trying to to do the best i can with it and i love that that actually gave me goosebumps in the movie and that was not what i was expecting to get out of this film i wasn't i was expecting this to just be schlocky and actiony and i think that's why i enjoyed it so much because it did touch me in a few places you know like with that emotionally at least 
with with Tommy, like I also love that Storm Shadow is actually kind of uh, he's a very almost naive, very sensitive guy, um, and so he's going through this journey. Like we meet him, that's how he is. He's very he's not the Storm Shadow we know, you know, from the comic books where. You know, we know a little bit of, of Tommy from Vietnam and how badass he was and, and he's cool and stuff. But otherwise, Storm Shadow, we always know as being filled with rage and this and that. And it's all about Vendetta. And he's like a real sort of cardboard cutout of the bad guy ninja kind of thing in a lot of ways. And I like that. Oh, OK, this is actually why he goes that way, because he's actually kind of a sensitive dude. He's actually, you know, he's got a good heart and, and whatever. And we even know that because Kenta um instructed snake eyes on how to manipulate tommy you know with the you know i see honor in your eyes and he's like yeah oh, he likes that line you know so i have to steer was... the conversation a little bit back towards the title character though guys like you were okay with him being not just an anti-hero like essentially his actions place him squarely in the villain camp like he, he, sure cobra and Kenta had something over him, but he took that final step to secure the rock for them, the the MacGuffin, the the jewel of the sun, that's what it's called, this ancient power source. So he is, in many respects, like, you know, in the chats, Hans says it best when he says that the blood of the Orochikage fallen is on Snake Eyes' hands. Mm. Is that not problematic? for your principal character to be the villain of the piece. Rob? Mm. I think, yeah, he definitely was. It's like we spent did so much it, time hurt talking about Storm Shadow. Yeah, that like, like when you start talking about Snake Eyes, you're like, oh yeah, he was in the movie too. Uh, um, he was, uh, he was, he was the bad guy. <laughs> Because, like, when they initially show, okay, you know, he's, he's duping people. I mean, you keep expecting him to turn, you know. Like, I can, so now's the moment that he's, he's going to be, become a good guy. Now that now's the moment that he'll become a good guy. And it just keeps, he keeps not becoming a good guy. <laughs> Until, like, after he's handed them the jewel, and, and it takes, it, it, the, the guy that he's been wanting to kill his entire life tells him, oh, I was there on the orders of Cobra. And it's like, oh, Oh, okay. So my rage was 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 misdirected. I shouldn't so have done. So some smart guy. Like, if you don't mind my saying, like Snake Eyes, the character in this movie doesn't seem to be a very smart guy. He doesn't like. He just doesn't seem to think about his actions. He doesn't seem to consider. I mean, he's anything. he's smart enough in what he's trying to do. I mean, he's, he was very clever in how he eventually discovered where where you know where the store is kept. But yeah, he's not. He's not the smartest guy ever. I think he kind of like he said he knows he knows what he wants and he goes for it without any um, real thinking. Yeah, without any smarts mm. or thinking like like um, about what is the consequences of his actions. So I think you can definitely squarely put all the deaths that happen in in that you know in, in the assault at the end on him. And yeah, it doesn't feel like there's enough. I suppose like remorse on his part. You know, yes. it's like, don't leave Storm Shadow. Oh no, uh, I am trying to help you. This is a remorseless you. killer, evidently. <laughs> Snake Eyes is, he is hardcore. He's a bad, bad dude. He's, look, this is the kind of, the, the heart of the, um, 
the issue. And and then this is why a lot of Joe fans have sworn this off as a very, very bad origin movie because you, you're essentially setting up your title character as a completely um, unsympathetic asshole. But <laughs> you can't knock them for having a fresh take on the Snake Eyes mythology. As well, lifelong G.I. Joe fans, different. thank you. As lifelong G.I. Joe fans, you expect... Okay, at, it's probably going to be a reduction in what you know of Snake Eyes. You know that they're not going to do the Vietnam story. You know that they're not going to do his military service or the car crash that robbed him of his family or a touching scene where a young hawk meets him at the airport. You know, like you know that you're going to miss these key beats in his creation, his early recruitment to the Joe team, the romance blossoming between him and Scarlet. Like these origin elements are not on the table. You knew that coming in. So you expect to see less. You expect to see the obvious elements like the time spent at the Roshikage temple, dojo, whatever you want to call it, castle, they called it in this film. Yeah. But what you don't expect is for them to add materially to the Snake Eyes mythology, like to add to what our understanding of Snake Eyes is. And this, <laughs> for better or for worse, did that it made snake eyes something that he's never been in our eyes and to as i say to a lifelong gi joe fan mm -hmm. to a lifelong gi joe fan this film surprised me and yeah. i was surprised that it surprised me i was like what likewise they, they did that so if for nothing else other than the shock factor of like having the rug pulled out from <laughs> under me after adoring this toy line and 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 mythology and comic book series for my entire life, I mean, practically, to, to have a G.I. Joe story told that really just takes takes the wind out of my lungs. I'm like, what? He did that? No, nice. I, and I agree that with was, that. That was, that was quite riveting, actually. I, in the cinema, yeah. I was like, hmm, I, I'm all of a sudden, this is uncharted territory. I have no idea where we're going. So See, that is I like that in the too. praise column. Yeah. Mm. So, and, and, and just to add to that, I love that in a weird way, they kind of made Storm Shadow, I mean, Snake Eyes, the Storm Shadow of this piece in a weird way. Like, oh, like yeah. I, yeah, they yeah. made him, in my eyes, kind of, they, they sort of gave him a bit more Storm Shadows, the comic book Storm Shadows qualities in some respects. I don't know. That's just kind of how I felt when I was watching it. Um, but I love that he's not a cipher. I love that he's an actual character. He's got actual flaws. We're not entirely sure if we do like him, okay? And I do like that about him. I, I've grown a little bit, although I enjoy his original origin story, I do get a bit tired of the whole American Ninja bit. And what I mean by that is, it's like, all of a sudden, this stranger comes in and he's like the best of the best, you know, ever. And I've that has always been a weird disconnect for me. Like, yes, he's got skills. He's certainly not the best. But I think he's going to get there if they take it further with the movies. Um but it's just cool to see him start off as what he is right now. I like that. And like you said, Steven, it also took, uh, it also was like a blow to me. I was like, wow, I don't know what the hell's going on with this character anymore. And that's cool, actually. I mean, I, a nice aspect of it that I quite enjoy. I mean, yes, it's completely different, which I think it's a positive in its, in, 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 in its, um, in its favor. You really don't know what to expect. Um, but what I kind of enjoyed was the kind of like, well, a little bit of it was the setting up of like, 
G.I. Joe and the fact that, I mean, I really want to know, like, what the hell is G.I. Joe like for the, I mean, they've been around for over 20 years. You know, like his dad was, was in a, you know, a part of G.I. Joe or the Joes. Um, I'm I think curious to know like, that, what, like, what that's this, about. This, this G.I. Joe movie could have done with a little bit more G.I. Joe. Um, uh, love yeah, sure. Scarlet's, but like a like I know this was an origins movie, but um, it's still GI Joe, and as fans of GI Joe, we want to see GI Joe. <laughs> but I do think on that on that though, I do love the fact that GI Joe has been a while uh, around for a while, and, and and it probably has been around for like twenty or so odd years. I like and that Cobra. established and Cobra. and Cobra. I love that. Yeah. We don't have to go into the whole. Uh, I'd like that. So now, as an audience, uh, the audience is like, oh, well, they're asking the same questions. I want to see more G.I. Joe. And that's a good thing because when they do a G.I. Joe movie, we will get that. And maybe the G.I. Joe movie in this universe is kind of like their Avengers. You know, so well, maybe we will get a bit of build up and then we'll be like, oh, cool, this is G.I. Joe. Because Scarlet was rad. I liked Scarlet. Yeah, because yeah. in general, the movie managed to keep the focus on the actual main story. I mean, yes, yeah. you had Scarlet in there, so you know Joes exist. Cobra's there. I mean, Cobra's definitely there in a fairly big way. So it, it, they exist, so they're teasing it. They're like, okay, these are the elements that are in this world around the story that you're currently watching. I mean, because I think if you added too much G.I. Joe or too much Cobra into it, it would be a bit... Uh, the focus would, would kind of, like, move away from what they're, the main story they're trying to tell and their, their main villain... Yeah, the dude with the I'm rock that blows things up and sometimes didn't... he chooses to you know take his time blowing things up <laughs> <laughs> sometimes he just wants to light fires on on either ooh, side of the you can't go left ooh, you can't go right <laughs> ooh, you can't go behind you and he got defeated oh god he got defeated by like a, a <laughs> thing full of fireworks <laughs> He like he keeps trying to hit them and it's like ooh, oh i can't hit you now i can't hit you now and then fireworks and then I don't know. There were some silly, <laughs> silly things in this movie, but I liked that the focus that that we there we were teased a greater world. Like like maybe maybe the filmmakers don't know what what this bigger world is yet that they're trying to adapt for their for their movie series, but they're kind of suggesting it's it's out there. It's like Joe's have been around for over twenty years. So is Cobra. This is a long heated um, battle between these forces. Okay, and well, this segues me very neatly onto the fact that this film has not performed well at the box office. Obviously, the international numbers are yet to be determined, but the likelihood of a sequel directly tying to this universe is is looking pretty unlikely. I mean, as far as the money men are concerned, maybe they have great plans. Maybe the the... Uh, Lady J TV show will still come to pass, and that can further the story. But well, it would it would be a crying shame to have have set this in motion and not being able to follow through. It's like GI well, Joe is a a cursed franchise in that you have a film and then mm, a scaling back and a soft reboot second film, which is basically a rock vehicle, and now this a third attempt at kind of sinking a foothold into G.I. Joe at the cinema and it not sticking the landing. But I believe that they're doing a, sna- a Storm Shadow movie now as well. Well, I live in hope for that because 
perhaps they can consolidate some of the the good elements and and learn from some of the bad because yes this had a far more intimate focus and performances were at the heart of it and i seen to scene was absorbed by you know by the, the character work being done like likewise giant snakes and glowing rocks notwithstanding at the core of this were relationships that i bought like there was a sense of like needing a home um with akiko and and having a quest for revenge with snake eyes and and the need to further his legacy for tommy like all these characters demand like needs were well established and they played true to those those motivations so i felt mm. like the, the cast really as best they could with a, a script that i have a theory about and i'll get back to you but they did a damn fine job it looked gorgeous for the most part um my theory i think that there was a script in production hell at paramount as are thousands of scripts in hollywood you know every day of the week there are scripts that are are optioned at various studios and this script wasn't a gi joe script they pulled out a martial arts movie script that had vague elements of like mcu kind of movies with this rock um it was about you know a guy bringing another guy into this clan and being betrayed by that guy because of the thirst for revenge and so they took this pre-existing script and inserted gi joe and cobra and snake eyes and storm shadow into it which is why those elements often jar and have a round peg square hole kind of fit or not fit because every time we've got talk of cobra or gi joe or like these elements feel superimposed they feel like they they're unnecessary to the the core story that's trying to be told here and that core Which... story involved this mythical stuff like the snakes i mean maybe mm. in the original script those were dragons which would definitely oh they could very well have been snakes snakes in a martial arts and... movie well i thought the snakes yeah. was a tie in to cobra and snake eyes and whatever but look there are so many elements that don't jive with gi joe mythology and, and the kind of just the tone of a gi joe story that make me think like hmm this is a reworking of a pre-existing plot based on what steven said if this was a rewrite of another script um and sort of uh put into the mold of gi joe i kind of feel like maybe that is the right way to go and hear me out on this the last two gi joe movies which were written as gi joe movies from the ground no, they up. weren't no they weren't Paul, you don't think they on. were nano machines they and all def- that crap definitely weren't well no they they definitely read some devil's due comics but um uh what's his name paul ws anderson was that was he the director on the first one no it's um it's the dude who did the mummy um Anaheim? No, uh, Stephen Summers. Thank you, Stephen yeah. Summers. Yes, Summers. Yeah. That one. So Summers had his uh, script called Accelerator, which he def- desperately wants to get made. Um, so he's like, oh, oh, they want me to make GI Joe. Well, I'm going to stick that thing into it. So there, there were definitely elements pulled from here, there, and everywhere. Um, okay, I actually just why that. the whole thing is yeah. so such a ramshackle mess. But anyway, so what I'm trying to say is, that, like, out of the th- out of all three of the GI Joe movies, to me, this one felt the most GI Joe, ironically, um, snakes and glowing stones at all, because at least with the glowing stone, the way that they handled it, 
Uh, that's something that we've encountered before in things like the Mass Device, and you know, we've encountered that kind of stuff in GI Joe cartoons at least. And that was okay. Like, I'm not going to go into it much more than that, but that was okay for me. And initially, I was I would have been more resistant to it if somebody had told me about it before watching the movie. But the way the movie did it, I was like, okay, cool. There's a magical stone now. Oh, and it actually is a real thing. Okay, I'm done with that. Cool. But um, the the other thing I just wanted to quickly mention. It's worth mentioning. I loved Scarlet, and the reason I loved it is because I felt that she was handled well. I thought her characterization was correct. Uh, I thought she came across really well. I loved her performance. I liked her. She was great. I loved the Baroness. I don't know. I, I mean, duh, I love the Baroness, but I loved her <laughs> in this movie. She was so, I, I, I want to use the word intoxicating. Every time she was on screen, I was like analyzing this woman on screen. I was like, oh my word, this She's just, I'm just, I was just taken by her, by her character. And I love that about the Baroness in this. Akiko was fantastic as well. Really cool surprise character um, that they threw in there. You know, maybe she's an analog for Jinx or whatever. No, but I disagree. I mean, this is, everyone's saying, why didn't she just be called Jinx? But uh, this is an origin movie and it should be set before things really pick up. And I think... Jinx should be a younger character. Like making her the head of security for the Hiroshikage building assumes a kind of a level of seniority. Yeah, um, that's what I'm saying. Jinx, like she could have been an analog. Maybe, maybe she was an analog. Jinx should be junior, yeah. junior to Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes, I think. Agreed. I mean, uh, when it comes to talking about Jinx, yeah, totally. But then I just felt like, just when I was watching, I was like, okay. But then at the same time, she was very much her own thing. And she has got, there's questions about her character that are also interesting to me that I'd also like answers uh, to. Like, I would love to know what her past is, what her whole vibe is, because there's something there. And the Arashikage wouldn't simply just make anybody the head of security. So there's something there. Okay, anyway, so there's that. And then the last thing, and this is, this is like literally my grievances and gripes with the film, like my major issues with this film. The titling sequence, uh, the credits in the opening, unbelievably <laughs> shit. I oh. hate them. I thought they were <laughs> the so... CG. This is like, oh, Snake Eyes. <laughs> I thought they were so poorly done. Like, and it's not like it's not the execution, like how they were done. It's the design behind them. At the end of it, I was like, tonally, the the whole vibe they went for the credits was completely off. And why should I even mention like credits and stuff? Because I feel like after a film. If that's the credit sequence we get, then that changes the narrative a little bit, and I just thought it was shit. Sorry, I thought it was unbelievably crap. And if that team is listening to this podcast, you guys did a shit job. You had a poor concept. <laughs> I can tell it was right. Um, I, I, sorry, but like uh, I work in that field. money where his mouth is. Yeah, I work <laughs> in that field uh, when it comes to like animation and stuff like that, and those things are highly considered. And I can tell that that was a rush job. It's just not good. Um, and then also, there's one or two annoying continuity errors. And I've, you've got a wonderful picture here of Tommy, of uh, Storm Shadow here on the screen right now. And he's got his swords on his right, correct? That's where Storm Shadow usually has them, all depends. Okay. And then here we go when he's fighting Snake Eyes on the, on the truck. There they are on the right. And then I go back to that picture that I was drowning everybody with earlier of him on the motorbike. And there they are on the left. This happens a lot. Storm Shadow doesn't know where he wants to keep his damn swords. They do switch around a lot. <laughs> it's an annoying thing. It does annoy me um, because it's just, it is a character design thing and that's something they should have kept track of. 
Um, I'm annoyed that the action figure doesn't have proper sword sheaths. Like, that yes. turns me from buying this damn figure because he's going to be stabbing himself in the back. Yep, that is an annoying thing too. I will not disagree with you there. Um, uh, so that our, our resident motorhead bot in the chats has put your mind at ease, Paul, that the throttle is on the right hand, so he would have the sword on the left, so he could use them while riding the bike. Which is cool, but there is also another scene where he is running around and does actually have them on his left. So, to what? Yes, cool. But that's a good explanation, and thank you. Um, because that definitely makes me feel a bit better about it. And then the second thing, and you guys must understand, this is something that annoys me, uh, and I know that when I was watching this, anybody who's practiced with this weapon was annoyed by this. When the blind master uses a kusari gamma, mm -hmm. and he's swinging around the bladed edge, that's you a sickle that. on a chain, yeah? Yes. Um, that is completely wrong. It's Ooh. You just don't do that, you'll die. You'll kill yourself. There's no... It's just wrong, it's irritating, and you can see it. it's bad CG and whatever, and it's horrible. Because later on, he uses it correctly. So, like, I know why they did it, because of the visual flair, but I always find with a martial arts film, especially if there's a lot of martial arts in your film, it's maybe better to err on the side of getting it right from a martial arts perspective so that, you know, you don't piss off maybe part of your number one market, which is your martial arts, you know, artists and, and training martial artists who are going to see something like that and be like, oh, this whole film's crap because you're using, using a Kasari Gamma the wrong way. Like, that was you, just you a You should also probably thing. not have a blind person wield a Kasari Gamma either, but hey, uh, whatever. You yeah, seem to listen. be able to see better than most people in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that, the seems... blind master, yeah, as a character, he earned that. Like, I, I, I'm not, like, against that. I think that was cool. And I also like that all the masters had their own little tweet, uh, like, thing. Like, um, the hard master was all hands, um, you know, all hands and fists, or fists and feet and, you know, melee. And I loved that. I thought that was so cool. Because he's quite brutal, actually. And they got a damn good martial artist to do him uh, as well. So, well, uh, acting martial artist to do that. So... That was great. Anyway, so those were my gripes. And also, I don't know if you guys care, but I thought the score was actually pretty good. Like, and in unobtrusive. I mean, we certainly mm. didn't get that stupid, like, I'm on a new level. Uh, like, <laughs> there, wasn't, there wasn't any um, pop music. It was all... Yes, it's, thank God. It suited scored. the mood. Mm. Yeah, so I think overall, I didn't, I didn't like it as much as I think Paul did, or a lot of maybe other people did. Um, there are elements that are quite good to it. I think, as Steven said earlier, um the, the characters feel like characters and you kind of mm. mostly understand where they're coming from and why they're doing what they're doing and their interactions are really good um it just to me at least the ending was was really insane um over the top um there's like moments where characters did things and i was like why did you do that that doesn't make sense to me um yeah i'll, I'll probably watch it again it's probably the best G.I. Joe movie we've, we've gotten. But I think as someone in, in our, our Joburg chat here said, it seems Hasbro is still shying away from making a G.I. Joe movie what a G.I. Joe movie should be, which is military-based. Mm -hmm. They seem very happy to continuously market and over-market and over-saturate with Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, which always seem to be the characters. I don't know if that's Hasbro pushing it or if, if it's the companies approaching them. There are many, there are hundreds of thousands of figures based on Storm Shadow and, and Snake Eyes, which I think are probably the most two iconic characters and uniquely um, G.I. Joe. 
but also at the same time, they're not representative of what all G.I. Joe is, which is military-based. Mm. And I think as long as they keep shying away from that, we're not going to get a proper movie that is G.I. Joe and, and is meant for all the fans of G.I. Joe and what G.I. Joe can be and what it is. So I think as long as they keep shying away from that, as Hans Chow said in chat, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to, yeah, have a good G.I. Joe movie. Also, I want to say something that um, Ryan, I believe it was Ryan Sweeney, but it was a Facebook post, and I actually agree with this. Um, you know, Paramount has made three G.I. Joe movies now, and they've all been um, flops from a financial point of view. I mean, I'm, I'm, ex I'm extrapolating his quote a little bit. So maybe Paramount shouldn't be making G.I. Joe movies. And I kind of agree with that too, even though I enjoyed Snake Eyes, I do think maybe it's time to let somebody else try and make a good G.I. Joe movie that's not Paramount, because, yeah. <laughs> and also maybe just get Loren uh, Lorenzo de Bonaventura away from G.I. Joe. That would be fucking wonderful. <laughs> let someone else do it, yes. He's quoted as saying, Lorenzo de Bonaventura uh, was quoted as saying like, he doesn't see Snake Eyes getting disfigured, not in this movie, not in the next movie, maybe by the third movie. So, like, evidently, he, he really wants to play with this Henry Golding fella a little longer. Mm. Um, mm. And Henry was quoted as, as, as being okay with, with being in a masked role. Um, mm. But he certainly didn't, <laughs> didn't have to do that on this film. It was very much unmasked. Shall we uh, explore wish lists a little bit more? I think we, <laughs> yes. we left a, a few wish lists off last week from, from certain platforms. Um, I've got a few on uh, Instagram. So so last week, if, if people didn't tune into 2.11, we, the entire topic was uh, wish lists. What are the things you want? Money is no object. Uh, time and space, anything can happen. What do you want? Uh, what are your top five? So on Instagram, Hilly Billy Harper, uh, he says his top five has to be version one Snake Eyes, version one Breaker, Mail Away Cobra Commander, version one Stalker, and either version one or version 1.5 Short Fuse. So Hillbilly seems to be keeping it very old school with his list. Duran Duran, Duran Duran, his Joe Grail Quinfecta is the Defiant Space Complex, the Terradrome, the Pit, the General, and the 83 HQ. And Ooh, a bonus for extra-style extra <laughs> future choices. <laughs> October Guard, Hind-style helicopter, or Dreadnought Swamp Cabin Base. Those are some Swamp interesting cabin choices. Cool. Those are all like, like base-based ones. Okay, mm, you know? he's really reaching for, for the stars. Has anyone done a good hind? I don't think anyone has. Mm -hmm. I personally haven't seen any good hind toys. Not there that I've been a, going crazy looking for them, but... There was a... I wouldn't say budget, because it certainly cost more than a budget toy. Like, um, made by... Was it Blue Box? Was it... I don't know. They have, like, rather well-detailed, but T-crotch, 1 to 18 scale action figures. And they did a hind, but it was terrible. I think it was a single seat, um, only two blades. Like the hind gunship has a lot more rotor blades. I think oh, it's, it's got five. Tons. Yeah, that feels um, right. I believe it does have five. Yeah, 
And so it is, it a, small, is it like, a Bruderheim? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Bruder would have probably done a better job of it. Bruder would have done a, an accurate job of it, but they don't they don't do military, I don't think. No. No, they do firemen. And, but and yeah, enemies. to my mind, no one's done a hind. And boy, oh boy, if you came up during the, the Marvel comic series, anytime the, the October God used a hind, you salivated. I remember getting special missions one and seeing the hind go up against four Cobra Fangs and thinking, oh, I want to recreate this so bad. The yeah, the hind is absolutely crazy. It's such a cool looking helicopter. I mean, it was featured in Rambo two and three. But not actually a hind. That was a repainted. Uh, that was a puma. That was no. our bird. No way. Mm-hmm. I think it was a puma. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Holy so moly! So actually, I really do enjoy our our local defense force better than anyone else's. They dressed. They dressed that helicopter. If it is a puma, maybe. But, but crucify me in the comment section below, please. Um, if I'm wrong. Uh, I think it, whatever helicopter it was, they just added those hind-esque sloped stub wings, you know, that the weapons, yeah. the rocket pods and stuff are stuck uh, onto. Yeah. But you know it's not the hind because it's got a tandem cockpit. Oh, so, sorry, it's got a side-by-side cockpit configuration, not a tandem. Anyways, the hind oh, is mystical because it looks aggressive. <laughs> it's a hell of a fast, but it seats troops in the back. Like eight or so guys. It's amazing. It's an amazing helicopter. And I cannot believe we do not have a toy of it. So Duron Duron, you're bang on the money there, brother. Hell yeah, dude. Get it made. And for the final three <laughs> comments from Instagram, uh, Diamond Dave21 says what he wants is just the terradrome at this point. Not I just think the terradrome. You will want the AVAC and Firebat because trust me, there, <laughs> there are pterodromes to be had, but not all of them seem to include those two very important pieces, as I've Absolutely. learned. So good luck to and you. And then sir. finally, from Instagram, Yojo Fern would like a USS flag, a massive Chinook for 1 to 18 scale figs, of course, a Cobra pterodrome, a foldable castle Destro slash Mars Industries lab, and a Cobra Tri Deck Mega Yacht. That'd be ah, cool. That could be cool. Like a, like I'm a proper this, like floating base. I'm loving this Dreadnought Swamp Cabin thing <laughs> that was suggested earlier. Sorry, my mind is still <laughs> uh, turning on that one. And and the reason it is is because now that you mentioned an affordable Destro Castle slash Mars Industries lab, I'm like, one, why can't Hasbro or why can't toy companies, and, and I'm asking this question because I want somebody in the industry to give me an answer. Why can't we just have play sets that can eventually connect to each other to make a bigger thing? I mean, Micro Machines did it, and they did it really well. He-Man, sorry, I was trying to go through the whole episode without mentioning <laughs> He-Man. But <laughs> He-Man does it as well, where there's um, you know pieces that come, certain vehicles come with pieces that attach to Castle Grayskull. So why can't we just have Instead of releasing a whole silent castle, why don't they just release those things as separate pieces and we can all put them together to make the silent castle? I mean, that would be great. That would be affordable. I would buy into that. Instead of having to go the whole crowdfund our really mega expensive spaceship or Galactus. <laughs> Galactus. <laughs> In the chat spot has rescued me. The hind was put out by Elite Force, BBI. Now, Blue Box did make 
pretty good, accurate helicopters and, and vehicles, jeeps and stuff. This is not one of their finest entries. This is a piece <laughs> of shit. Um, but <laughs> but <laughs> for whatever reason, uh, the seller is hoping to get <laughs> close to 400 US dollars for this garbage. Oh, dear. It looks like a this Fisher Price hound. Do not let the photos fool you. This would not make a good custom space. Don't give this man 400, this person $400. No, sorry, crazy. Person. You're wasting your money. And also, um, to Yojo Fern's uh, pick on the, uh, the 1 to 18 Chinook, mm. uh, it's, I mean, it's not an accurate Chinook, but um, have you considered the uh, Sentinel 1 uh, Whirlybird that you used to be able to get it? Toys R Us. I think now it's done through click and pay or something on Amazon. But um, I mean, I'm sure everyone who's a Joe fan knows the, the fuselage I refer to. It's It's got um, three blades up front, three blades in the back. It's got a big ramp. It's got a side door. Sometimes has a winch, but it's a, it's a big bird. And you can fit a vamp in that hole. You can also fit a thunder machine. You can't fit a snowcat, but it's... it's you can fit a vamp in that hole. It's got the biggest um, <laughs> internal space. It's Loose? bigger than the um, AB112 Shark, and it's bigger than the Osprey. It's the biggest bellied transport aircraft made by a, sort of a knockoff brand, made by anybody, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, it does. And I suppose um, if... It is slightly chibified, but it's, I find it's the least chibified of the Chapmay slash click and play slash... Sentinel One, God, China, can't you settle on a name? <laughs> it's like every region and every era has a name. a name for the same stuff. Yeah. Yes. But um, uh, customizing talk, I suppose you could buy two of them, cut one up, you know, cut them both up, and then take the middle section of one just to extend the and other. Extend it. Yeah, it's certainly yeah. got the girth of a, of a scale accurate Chinook. Well, at, as close as damn it. It just doesn't have the length. Mm. You know, all girth and no length. What is that? What do they say? Long and thin goes right in. Short and thick does the trick. I was going to say on that bombshell, um, leave it. But I've got a response from Gmail to round us off from Lance. I alluded to it earlier. Anyway, <laughs> his number one pick would be a 1985 Snowcat with the figure subscription service Frostbite. Hmm. I wonder if they fit. <clears throat> Like like, vintage vehicles and modern figures sometimes don't marry too well. And the snowcat, it's a, it's, it could be kind of tight in there. He better be able hey. to get a ninety degree bend to his his thighs. Uh, number two, he'd like to see GI Joe classified Wolverine with Cover Girl. Uh, he says he'd pay a fair a fair penny for that. Uh, it would cost a fair penny. I mean, it's it's not a it's a small vehicle at one to eighteen scale classified. It yeah. That'd be substantial. Uh, number four, the Cobra Firebat with the AVAC pilots. It's the only piece missing from his terradrome. Guys, I stand by the fact <laughs> that of, of the, the original ARA Grail pieces, the terradrome is leading the charge. It's beating the mm -hmm. flag. It's beating the Defiant. So you're sitting pretty there, Paul, with your, your um, Ottoman, I your plastic, your plastic flash can. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to bring five, it here. Lance would love to have a classified shipwreck with accessories that would make him either the classic 1985 style or the 50th anniversary tactical version. So by that, I mean, mm. I think he means the, um, 
like the the, the devil's due redesign with the knit cap. Yeah, head with the yeah. That's it. And I'm gonna leave the wish list items there. We've got a lot of responses on Facebook to get through, and some of them are great talking points, which are actually just gonna feed into next week's episode. So stick yeah, around dude. in seven days for that. Let's um, keep the wishes going. Also, um, Bart in the comments asks or says that the figures should fit. Um, and also, didn't they have a Mark II come in the modern era? So that, that figure with the snowcat should should fit together? True, yeah. true. But I do yeah. know that some of the earlier, particularly like the snow job body mold, has that skirt um, and yes. particularly long legs. Uh, yeah, look, it's so, so my... it's never going to be great in my opinion. But but yeah, absolutely, modern figures could could fit. You just got to get, I find, their feet over the kind of the, the ridge because there's a, a natural mm. ridge that um, a vintage figure's feet would rest up against. But if you kind of flip the feet above the ridge and come back down, so basically the figure's feet are in the <laughs> where the lights are, um, you can win. Hmm. I have that. I have an Arctic shipwreck, um, which has a similar body construction to the 50th anniversary snow job, um, and that that does somewhat fit in the snowcat that came with the pursuit of Cobra. And I don't know if the internals there are the same as the vintage, but they do fit. The only thing is, is that it's it's very tight, and you do need to soften the the plastic. Um, jacket a little bit to try and make it fit uh, alternatively frostbite modern era frostbite and uh, which is basically just a repaint of snow job from the 25th anniversary uh fits quite well in the snowcat actually hmm. all yeah. right nice yeah. well, sounds go good so that the chances are it's gonna work out for you absolutely yeah. and guys on the talk of wish lists I mean, you know, we have the grand, amazing wish list that we all want. Uh, what is in your, like, you know, your shirt? What is your short-term, you know, wish list, like, in terms of toys? Like, just quickly. I mean, I'm sure there's something that's, like, on your mind that you're like, hmm, I wouldn't mind getting my hands on that, you know? I mean, Stephen just got an AVAC, you know? So, like, Robbie, are there Funko Pops or anything that's coming out <laughs> that you're excited Funko about? Pops. Hey, listen, you like Pops. I don't, but you do. That's cool. Lucky I've, for you, I've, you like them. I've, I've liked specific Pops, and I think I own all the Pops I want. Actually, no, there is still one at work that I haven't bought yet. The um, uh, Jack from The Shining. I don't Shining. own him yet. Um, so I think, Yeah, exactly. I, I want him. I'd love to own him, and I can watch, watch The Shining with, you know, with him sitting near me. I think that's probably the only thing I can... Off the top of my head, that's the only thing I can think of that I that is in my near future. Cool, Pops man. stay in the box, right? Like you would never take them out. I, There's no I, sense well, I would if I had displayed. if I had if I had space to display them, I would do that. But I don't. But you'd have to, you'd have <laughs> to construct. Well, you'd have to construct some kind of display case around their exact dimensions. Like are they boxes those? are a display option. Well, the box is a display option, but depending on when the pops came out, they do come with their own little see-through um, base that you can pop them on. They also have these clear boxes that they that Funko Yeah, you can also get a clear box. But I mean, I don't see the why you wouldn't just display them out because I mean, there are 
Well, to me personally, I mean, I think they're 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 like any other toys. You just put them somewhere and you look at them. But you can't play with them and put them in vehicles. Boom. Well, obviously not. I mean, that's the thing. They're mm -hmm. just basically a display piece. Yeah. You know, like a statue would be. At least to me, that's the way I look pops, at them. You do have your pops loose. No, no, I still have them in the packaging, but that's just because uh, they put away. You know, it, it's easier to store them like that because they take up the same amount of space. I don't have them just like I didn't throw them all into like a, you know, a bin or something. <laughs> did I where they belong? <laughs> <laughs> did, did I tell you guys? Did I tell you guys about that one delivery I received where I was expecting to get some paints from? I'd ordered from a site called Raru, and I'd ordered some model paints, and so. The delivery guy comes and he gives me the box and I look at the box and I'm like, the box was about 30 centimeters, let's say 12 inches wide and Whoa. about uh, 15, uh, yeah, and about six inches deep. So it was like, you know, I was like, okay, it's the, you know, they probably just really didn't want these paints to get messed up or whatever's in the box. So I'm like, okay, cool, no problem. I, I sign for it, I go upstairs. I don't look at the address on the box because I don't think to look at the address because, you know, these courier guys, they generally do a good job. I've learned a lesson now, by the way. So I open the box and, and I, I very carefully, because I'm not like a, a terrorist with the box, I just slowly open it with my knife and I look inside. I'm like, oh my God, there's Funko Pops in there. I immediately phone the customer service. <laughs> this is a pain. Yeah, shit. Like the guy, like the courier guy gets to me and he's like, oh shit, did you open the box? And I'm like, unfortunately, yes. And he's like, oh no. I'm like, yeah, I know there's Funko Pops in there. And he's like, he looks at me and he's like, he doesn't know what I mean. I'm like, don't worry. He's like, here's your box, which was considerably small. And I was like, ah, that's the kind of box I was expecting my paints to be in. And I'm like, but yeah, some dude had like ordered, from what I could tell, judging by the size of Funko Pops, he had ordered like nine, no, six Funko Pops in that little box. So huh. they're out there, folks. I had to destroy yeah. all of those Funko Pops. <laughs> <laughs> it is my choice in life. Yeah, Jesus. Just, just tell this person I did them a favor. Um, mm. Yeah, for me, if uh, I'm looking for a Captain Gridiron, that's actually a toy that I'm on, I'm on the hunt for. Um, Captain Gridiron and the Mega Marines. <laughs> it sounds like a sub team. Captain Gridiron and the Mega Marines. Which steps outside of your, your wish list for 2021? Like. Paul, you're a mess. And you were so proud of the fact that you had only four picks out of Yeah, but dude, you, you said I, if I had infinite money and infinite time and, and all those and infinite space, I'm like, of course. But then I did actually say that I'm not going to put my G.I. Joe stuff on here except for like Outback, which I did. Because that is like, I, I personally don't think I'll ever have a Tiger Force Outback. I know that's not the right like mindset for that, you know. But it's just that it's way too much money for my collecting. So that's why I put it on that list. All that stuff on my list is like super expensive that I'll probably just never be able to own. And ironically, I would go on to HLJ after our show. And what was there? That F-91 Metal Gundam for $312. And it has just like it's new stock. And I was like, what? But I'm like, no, no. I could buy a whole two G.I. Joe's for that amount of money. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, still in my crosshairs, ever present um, now, and probably will form my, my birthday gift to myself, will be a Sky Striker. If I close in on the right deal, I think I think it's it's time. So, yes, the number two on my top five um, will probably be the object of my, my hunts 
in uh, coming weeks and months. But I think we've come to the end of another great adventure, gentlemen. Absolutely. Talked a lot. Um, if you want to get hold of the show, you can do so in the following mm-hmm. means. You can get hold of us on a real South African hero gmail.com. You can drop down to the comments section and go ballistic on the YouTube version. If you're listening to us on a podcatcher, uh, leave us a review. Uh, we seldom get reviews. Be the first. Amazing. Yeah, well, you yeah. know, if you've gotten this far in the in the episode, you know you liked exactly. it. So hit the like. If you Why haven't you subscribed have and you want this more moment. of this madness, yeah, exactly. And if you want more of this madness, hit the subscribe button because we do more than just a podcast, but uh, also not more than just a podcast, if you know what I mean. Um, this podcast is awesome. And you guys can always check out our Patreon. Yes, you can join the Boat Force. That's right. And you can also be part of our live audience and you know check out some of the cool exclusive stuff that we do. This week, I will be releasing a new track to our Patreons. It's a track that they've heard a little bit of, but they'll be getting the full version of it this week. And um, if you guys are so inclined, we also do very cool G.I. Joburg merchandise with some very cool G.I. Joe artwork. That may or may not be G.I. Joe, but it definitely is G.I. Joe, just not enough to get into trouble for it. It's been amazing, guys. That was a good chat. I'm glad we finally got Snake Eyes. We were able to talk about it. It was interesting. It was different. It was an experience, and I'll probably will watch it again. I'll say that much. (laughs) I'm going to watch it again as well. I I enjoyed it. I mean, I took some screenshots and whatever, and as I was doing that, I'm like, I want to watch this movie again. (laughs) (laughs) It's two hours till we do the podcast. I, I can watch it again. <laughs> no, I would have loved to, but I had um, I had serious folks here, so I couldn't take that time. Oh, that was my you were making plan. you were making the, uh, the the pizza burgers for for them for lunch. No, 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 nothing that exciting. <laughs> <It's just coffee>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what you want to make for the in-laws. Perfect, Paul. Such a boy. Such a boy. All right, your <laughs> hogs, get out of here. I'll see you in seven. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for commenting, subscribing, liking our shit, watching, barging in. Uh, forthcoming Snake Eyes review this week, plus a new play motion this weekend. The premiere will be announced shortly, so check back on YouTube. My name is Steve, and yo, Joburg, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>